Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by one of our newest and favorite sponsors, and that is Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your your homework, and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in depth than anything you've probably taken in high school, and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college. Okay, and you can do this all socially distance from home you know we're all stuck in our houses under these uh lockdown restrictions and you know some of your schools aren't open well this is a great way to learn a new skill maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up so what i need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code fiction Okay, we're almost through September now. It's the it's the 18th. You have until the end of this month to get an additional 20% off on all of his courses. But that promo code fiction will get you 10% off plus the 20 he's already offering. You'll get 30% off as long as you buy the courses before the end of this month and you can take them anytime that you want. Okay. Um, after this month, I'll still be able to get you 10% off, but that 20% is going to go by the wayside. He offers a 30 day money back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code fiction and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you can find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the moment we've all been waiting for has finally arrived. And just when you thought that 2020 couldn't get any crazier, the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg has finally vacated her seat on the Supreme Court. Not by choice, of course. No, no. The only thing that was going to remove that old bag from the court was nothing short of death, that is for sure. And after being out of sight for the last couple of years, maybe, I I think the last time I saw her was when she fell asleep during Trump's State of the Union address, and that was like two State of the Unions ago or something like that. So nobody knew where she was. There were memes circulating around of her being in like an iron lung, and the media, of course, was steadfast in their insistence that she was fine and there were no problems with her health and she was totally able to fulfill all of her duties despite the story breaking like every six months or so that she'd been admitted to the hospital for some complication relating to cancer or something like that pneumonia things like that and well much to the chagrin of all the lefties out there She finally succumbed to her pancreatic cancer at the age of 87. Which, by the way, pancreatic cancer, I've talked about this on the show before, that is one of the worst cancers that you can get. And I think maybe the the, uh, silver lining here is that this will put a, a push behind the American people to start funding some more research for that. 
instead of you know breast cancer awareness month that has like a 95% survival rate if you you know if you get regular screenings and everything like that pancreatic cancer has like a 95% death rate so i think it's time that we start focusing on some of these cancers that are far more deadly than the ones that we seem to be focusing on but anyway man oh man does this have america freaking out absolutely freaking out and the other half of america is dancing a jig we're a little more than a month out from the biggest election of our lifetime of course until the next election that is trump is going to nominate someone by the end of this week his third nomination in four years republicans control the senate democrats have taken a page out of the Republican playbook and are pushing to delay the nomination. Republicans, ironically, are following in the Democrat footsteps and trying to get someone nominated and appointed in there before the end of the year. The fate of the country, your health care, women's reproductive rights, life as you know it, and all the other lies and propaganda they tell us, they all hang in the balance, don't they? We're in the midst of the pandemic still, COVID-19. So 80 million people are going to be voting by mail. No doubt this will be a contested election. Results will have to be eventually be decided by the Supreme Court. And here we go. But welcome back, everybody. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I... I'm the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Obviously, the big news since my last podcast is the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That will be the focus of today's show because, of course, true to form Profita luck, right after I finished Friday's podcast, news of this historic event sent the country, and more importantly, Twitter, into a tizzy. It broke right after I finished the episode. And I have a lot of thoughts I'd like to share on the subject. I do apologize for those of you um, listening right now. You'll probably hear this late Monday night, later than usual. They, um, I, I had to have some more construction done on this condo when uh, apparently there was a storm, a big storm that ripped through here a couple days before I got in, like maybe Tuesday of last week or so. And something happened with the ceiling over the balcony, and it was practically it, it practically collapsed. So I've, I had uh, construction guys in here all day today, finally fixing it. And they they, they told me at like four thirty five o'clock that they were going to come back tonight at six to finish everything up, or at least finish today's work. They still have to uh, paint and fix the water damage and things like that. But at least the ceiling is secured now, and. They've uh, they've patched everything up, but so they were here normally during the time that I would record this episode, and then we just had a, we had a big storm roll through here while they were working, and then that just gave way to the most beautiful sky. There was a, a pretty nice sunset. There was actually a rainbow on the uh, behind me on the other balcony the, the most perfect rainbow i've ever seen in my life just a perfect arch you could see both end to end it was and it's going right up over the mountains it was fantastic then i just sat for I, I i took a little break ate some dinner and watched the sunset which is you know the sun doesn't set here till about eight o'clock and it's not done till about eight thirty. yeah eight thirty around there and there's just there's something so calming and centering about taking a minute out of your day or in this case you know a half hour 45 minutes whatever where you just stop everything you take a break you reflect on things you watch the sunset it has a very centering effect on me and there's something really nice about that that I, I really enjoy out here that I don't get to do very much in Chicago I can actually see the sunset my place faces west in Chicago, but I never, for whatever reason, I never take the time to do it. You know, you're in a city, everything's bustling. There's very few times where I just sit out there and I take a break from everything and watch the sunset. And even if I did, there'd be traffic, you know, honking horns and sirens going off and all kinds of stuff, which kind of ruins the whole mood. So that's why this episode is going to break late Monday night. Um, I'm recording now. It's 
it's it's like 10 o'clock right now so um hopefully i'll get this out before the night is over i don't know how long i'm going to go today i wanted to talk a little bit before i get into the whole ruth bader ginsburg thing about some of the stuff that we've been seeing going on in the markets because it's been a while since i think we've talked about that and we've been watching an incredible run up in in stocks since the big drop we had in march a rally that probably shouldn't have surprised me at this point because we've seen how irrational these markets can be and how long they can remain irrational, seeing as they're getting unprecedented amounts of fiscal stimulus or i.e. inflation from the Fed. I still didn't think when this whole uh, pandemic was started and even when they were spending like $6 trillion and throwing it into the markets, I still didn't think we'd make it this far without resuming the next leg down in the bear market. But the S&P 500 has made new all-time highs. It made new all-time highs back in July. And it, it just now has since pulled back below the high that it had made before the whole pandemic struck back in March. Okay, The Dow flirted with the previous highs of March, early March of this year. But they've been, it got beat back down pretty significantly today. The stock market was just hammered. It was down across the board. It's been down the last couple of days. The Dow was down, I think, a thousand points at the low around there, about a thousand points today. It did have a little bit of a rally off the close, uh, into the close. So it didn't finish as down as it had been intraday. But I was looking at some charts today and I noticed that the Dow is in the middle of completing what's called a head and shoulders pattern, where the up and down bars of the chart that that measure all the price action for the day or the hour, depending on which chart you're looking at or the minute or whatever, this was on a daily, It's it forms a left shoulder and then the market rises to a certain point, and that's where the head is. And then from there, the market retraces back down and forms the right shoulder. And the way the pattern works is, if you see that, the there's what's called a neckline, which is like the level where the shoulders are at, where the shoulders form. This is one of those times where I wish I had a video and I could share my screen. Maybe someday I'll figure out how to do that. I'll tweet out a screenshot of the pattern that I'm, I'm talking about because I, I noticed it earlier today. But it's a bearish pattern. And in this instance, what they call the neckline, which is, like I said, the level where the left and right shoulders form. So if you can quite literally picture someone from the shoulders up, that's the shape that is taking form on this chart of the Dow. Are you guys with me so far? <laughs> say, say yes. All right. So now the neckline level... If the market breaks below that, there is a good chance that whatever distance the market went up from the neckline to form the top of the head is about the same distance the market will go down from the neckline. That's how it's typically traded. This is not a a pattern that I trade. It's just a pattern that I recognize. Like I haven't tested it or anything like that, but it's definitely a pattern that I'm cognizant of. And a lot of people do trade it. I pay attention to it whenever I see it. Is it going to complete? You know, that's anyone's guess. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. If it does, you can expect the Dow to drop. It looks like about, I don't know, 1,600 or 1,700 points or so. I'm just kind of ballparking it, looking at this chart. I'm not going to do the math on that. From the neckline. Now, it's about halfway there after today's drop. So we can keep an eye on that. Tuesdays are notorious for counter-trend market action. So we may see a rebound tomorrow before the next leg down. And I'm, I'm looking at the S&P as well. That has just been on a tear. Like I said, it, it's been in like a mega uptrend ever since the March lows of 2009 after the Great Recession, as has pretty much all of these indices. You know, they've all been up because the Fed will not allow any correction to take place without them pumping the markets full of the next round of the monetary methadone. The S&P may find some support around the 3200 level, or it could go you know, as low as about 3000. There's some structure there that I'm looking at. 
anything lower than that. And it might go on to test the lows that we saw in March of this year around the 2400 level. But I would expect the Fed to step in by then or before then to try to blow a bunch of air back into this bubble. The um, the NASDAQ as well has formed a, a head and shoulders pattern. Now it looks like it just broke below the neckline briefly, and it may turn out to be a false breakout. We have to wait and see because it's trying to climb back above the neckline here, and it's it's testing some resistance right there as we speak. And there is quite a bit of uh, overhead resistance there. So we're going to see if it can break back above that or if it's going to get hammered down. And if it can't, if it can't break back above the neckline and find some support there, look out below for the NASDAQ. I mean, if, if this head and shoulders pattern completes the way it's designed to, you could see something like what looks like a 2,400 point drop from where it's at right now. All of these charts really look from a, a technical perspective, they look very bearish to me. Um, fundamentally, if you look at the state of the overall economy, the stock market should be tanking. So I don't know if the you know the technicals are lining up with the fundamentals finally or whatever. But that's just it's one reason why I never trade fundamentals. I just stay away from it because we have all of this Federal Reserve intervention into the markets and manipulation of interest rates, cheap money. And there's that old adage that markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And like I mentioned at the you know top of the show or whatever, I would have never thought. I, I did not think that we would be back at these levels this year. In fact, I, I think somebody asked me about that maybe on Twitter or something. And I was like, there is very little chance that they get back up to where they were pre-COVID. I, I didn't think that the, there, there was enough stimulus on the face of the earth to do that. But apparently there was. But that doesn't mean that there's not a big correction coming at some point. There is a massive disconnect from the actual economy to the stock market, right? And, and it's strictly because of the government's monetary po uh, policy. There's really no other possible explanation for it, if you ask me. I mean, we have, if you look at the overall economy and you, you look at these economic measurements that come out every week or every quarter or whatever. We've got tens of millions of people unemployed. We're getting about 900,000 new people filing for unemployment every week, right? They're happy that it's below a million now. That's good news for the market. If less than a million people file for unemployment every week, there's something like 60% of the businesses that have closed due to COVID are estimated to be permanently closed, 60%. Okay, we've got debts and deficits that are totally out of control, as we've talked about before on the show. And it doesn't look like the full effects of this forced shutdown of the economy and the government's subsequent response to it, uh, fiscally and legislatively, and ev just everything that they've done. It doesn't feel like the, the full effect of that has been felt yet. There's still a lot more coming down the pike. So there is a day of reckoning coming. How far off? is anyone's guess. Anyone that tells you that they can time the markets is lying to you 100%. I mean, if I could do that, I'd be on a yacht somewhere in the Caribbean. There's, there's no way I would be uh, wasting my time doing anything else. I'd be a, a billionaire. But you don't really have to be an economist to know that something is really wrong with our economy right now and our approach to the economy. Like, you don't have to be an economist to know that uh, what we're doing can't possibly go on forever. You just have to think about it. You just have to use common sense. And I know that so much of modern day economics, and this is kind of why I want to talk about this today, because so much of modern day economics involves throwing all your common sense out the window. They like to make it, especially the Keynesians, things sound so comp uh, complex and convoluted and they use all this jargon and they make things more confusing than they need to be. But if all we had to do, just think about it, if all we had to do to make everyone wealthy and eliminate poverty was print up a bunch of pieces of paper and dole them out to either the banks or Wall Street or just directly to the American people, which is pretty much, in a nutshell, the government's response to everything. Every problem is just run the printing press, give people money, give people dollars. 
that that's their only solution everything if that was all it took it would be easy there would be no poor people there would be no economic downturns or recessions or depressions or any problems right anytime there is an issue you just print off a bunch more paper and sure that makes sense to like a third grader that has no understanding of what an economy is or how it functions or why it doesn't function what causes it to crash things like that but to an adult it should be obvious how ridiculous that is. I mean, the paper means nothing without the production. Without increasing production, all you're going to have is more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services. That's all just going to lead to higher prices. And in the case of our economy now, like I mentioned, uh, we have fewer goods and services available, 60% fewer going forward. Okay, so not only do we have more dollars being pumped into the markets and the economy than ever before, we have fewer goods and services and fewer people working than ever before. So at some point, this is all going to catch up to us. It just has to. That's reality, and it is going to set in. Anyway, uh, th those are just some thoughts I had on that as I was perusing the markets today. Hopefully, you were able to follow my uh, discussion on those charts and the patterns and everything. If not, and you are interested in getting a lesson from yours truly on technical chart analysis, just in, you know, just how to read these charts and from a very basic beginner's level, you have to have no prior knowledge of even what I'm talking about. But I will, I will show you how to make sense of these things from a very basic level. Hit me up on Twitter or in the private Facebook group. Send me a message, something to let me know that you guys are interested. I have heard from a handful of people that they are interested in something like that. I just haven't had enough people to actually motivate me to put something together. You know, I need a few more. Uh, I need a few more people to get excited about this to make it feel like it's worthwhile. So let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. But before I get into the rest of the show today, why don't we take a quick second and thank our other sponsor for today's show. And since I am now down in Mexico, I don't have access. So if the show seems a little off or I'm not as sharp as normal <laughs> or, is, or I seem tired or something like that, it could be because I haven't had my fix from my friends at Lorenzotti Coffee. And if you go to Lorenzotti.coffee and you use the promo code FICTION, you will get 10% off your order of premium Italian coffee and they'll deliver it right to your door. It was a, it's a small business that was started by two entrepreneurial, liberty-minded individuals who came together of their, from their love of coffee and their inability to find a decent cup anywhere in the United States. This is the kind of coffee that we all long for, that we all picture ourselves drinking in the Italian countryside or sipping your espresso. They also sell, speaking of, uh, espresso brewing equipment, professional brewing coffee equipment for those of you who may have a small business or an office that requires that sort of thing, or maybe you're just really serious about brewing your coffee. Go to lorenzotti.coffee, use the promo code FICTION, you'll get 10% off your order, and if you order at least two tins, you'll get free shipping. That's L-O-R, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee, promo code FICTION. Okay. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty, the big news story of the possibly the year, right? This is the be-all, end-all, the end of the world for some a glimmer of hope for others, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a messiah of the left, particularly women of the left, you know, truly achieved deity status among statists everywhere. And this is just such a great example of the religion of the state on full display. And if you haven't already heard the episode that I did last year, I believe it was, Called the, I think it was called the religion of the state. You might want to go back and listen to it because I lay out this whole, this whole thing in excruciating detail because nothing illustrates the, the argument for statism as a religion better than the Supreme Court. I mean, these are godlike figures. They put on robes and they are worshiped like deities or high priests, right? Oh, we got some fireworks going off. <laughs> Man. I, I'm not under attack. There's, they're firing off some fireworks. Let me go check those out real quick. 
All right. Yeah, I missed I missed the fireworks. For those of you that have never been to uh, PV, there's this pirate ship this that goes out every day and every night they do a fireworks show. And the reason that was so loud is because it's right out in front of my place. It's like maybe 200 yards offshore right in front of me. So that would have been cool to see. I caught the last one, but I was a little too slow moving there. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So they're they're worshipped. These Supreme Court justices are worshipped as close to God figures as you can get. They're like the high priests of the religion. They dictate everything. What they decide becomes the law of the land. It's like they're issuing commandments to the rest of us in the religion. You know, they've spoken to our Lord, our God, and here is what he demands of you, right? Every time they come up with something, they render their opinion. It's like it's the word, you know, the word of our Lord, thanks be to God. And they quickly became a tool that both parties, really, both Republicans and Democrats, mainly Democrats, because the Supreme Court is really what they use to codify their agenda and sort of wage this culture war that that we see going on. You know, anything that they want to see happen socially, culturally throughout the country, well, they get it, they get it up to the Supreme Court, and then they need their liberal judges to make it the law of the land. And Republicans, the, the way they use the tool is that they do a bunch of fear-mongering, and they get people to support Republican candidates so that they'll nominate their judges in there, and it's used as like a defensive mechanism to sort of slow the roll of the left on social issues, right? But even... You know, even all their nominations, with all the Republican nominations that we've seen over the years, they haven't been able to curtail the left's agenda at all, really. I mean, uh, we have a Republican nominee that's the reason you got Obamacare. So it seems like no matter who is the high priest, who is up there as high priest, right, they always side with bigger government, right? Surprise, surprise. I mean, the idea that we're going to have these three co-equal branches of the federal government and that the third branch, this Supreme Court, is going to determine the limitations of the federal government? That is just absurd. Not to mention the fact that the other two branches are directly responsible for putting the high priests into the Supreme Court. The president nominates them and then the Senate appoints them. So they're all in cahoots here. They're all in cahoots conspiring against us to bring us bigger and more intrusive government. And look at where we are. We've gone from this idea of a limited government with enumerated powers few and far between to the the biggest government the world has ever seen. But that was not the original intention of the Founding Fathers when they drew up this now debunked plan for the country. I don't think there's there could be any dispute that this whole uh, experiment in limited government has failed. But the Supreme Court is not supposed to be this be-all, end-all of the federal government that gets to decide everything. They have the final say in everything. What these nine judges decide is gospel. No, no. No, no. That's not the way this is supposed to work. I mean, first of all, Remember what they talk about. We have these branches are supposed to be co-equal. So now the you you know the Supreme Court can render an opinion, but that's about it. At least that's supposed to be it. They aren't supposed to be able to legislate from the bench and all this judicial activism you see going on. They're supposed to determine the constitutionality of the legislation being put before them by the legislative branch, right? So They're supposed to apply the principles of the Constitution to the law and enforce the Constitution as it was written and intended as it applies to the legislative agenda put before them. Pretty straightforward what they're supposed to be doing. But the founders were not that stupid, right? They weren't stupid enough to think that this could totally work out, having the federal government, having a branch of the federal government check the other branches of the federal government. James Madison, who is the father of the Constitution, said as much. He said that he didn't trust the the federal government to check itself. And the idea was that the states were supposed to be the ultimate check on the limitations of the federal government. The states were supposed to have the final word on everything. 
They determine whether or not the federal government is overstepping its bounds and are in violation of the Constitution. That's, that's supposed to be reserved for the states. Because remember, the states were what created the federal government. It was not the other way around. Okay, They were sovereign states. They entered into a contract to create the federal government. And that's exactly what the Constitution is. It's a contract between the states to create the federal government. It's not this bullshit, living, breathing document that's meaning changes with the times and needs to be interpreted by the high priests like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay, so we we all have to look to Ginsburg to tell us what it means. No, it's not written in ancient hieroglyphics. Okay, it doesn't need to be interpreted. It needs to be enforced, just like any other contract needs to be enforced. The federal government just refuses to treat it as a contract because none of them like what it says. Nobody in the federal government likes what it says. Why? Well, that should be obvious. Because the whole point of the contract was to limit the power of the federal government. That's what it was all about. So, of course, they don't want to abide by it. Of course, they're constantly undermining it and challenging it. That would mean less power for them, less money for them, less control for them if they were to abide by it, would it not? So this is all just a bunch of bullshit. They've completely, intentionally perverted the whole system of checks and balances. The entire concept of the Constitution, everything this country was founded on, it's all, it's all you know, screwed up now. I mean, imagine if any other contract that you entered into was being treated the way the federal government treats its contract with the states and the American people. Imagine that your lease with your landlord uh, for your apartment was being treated as a living, breathing document, and that your landlord can change the meaning of the words or of the clauses or the overall contract whenever he felt like it. Whenever the hell he feels like it, he could just be like, no, you know what, I interpreted that to mean this, not what we agreed upon when you signed the contract. And then all the landlord has to do is get the company that backs him to, to um, determine whether or not the changes he made are allowable, right? I mean, that's basically what goes on every time the Supreme Court has a ruling. Of course, nothing else works that way. It destroys the the entire concept of a contract and contract law. But of course, since this is our federal government, our beloved religion, we carve out all these exceptions for them. We we do this all the time. And I can't understand for the life of me why more people don't catch on to this. Or question it, at least. I mean, they get to change the terms of the contract whenever they want. Who could possibly, who would have agreed to that if that was the way it was presented when the, the states were ratifying this, uh, this document? But if you have studied any history properly, you'd know that the founders were very wary of this happening. And that's why they explicitly said that the state's legislatures are the supreme authority on what's constitutional. The Supreme Court can give their opinion, and the states can basically tell them to fuck off. That's the way it was supposed to work. You're in breach of Article 1, Section 8 of this contract. See here, it clearly states that blah 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 And then you can tell the Ruth Bader Ginsburgs of the world to take their opinion and shove it you-know-where. And again, this shouldn't be news to anyone, but of course, we're all taught the opposite in government schools. I'm sure there's people listening to this show that have never heard this before. I mean, imagine that, right? Imagine the federal government schools teaching kids that the federal government has supremacy over the states. Who would have thought, right? I mean, that's also why none of these justices, particularly the left-leaning ones, want to apply the Constitution as it was originally intended, because the intent was never for federal supremacy. That would have been ridiculous. And none of the states would have ratified the Constitution if it was meant to establish federal supremacy. The whole point of the Constitution, as I said, was the exact opposite of that. To believe in federal supremacy negates the entire concept of a sovereign state. It would make us essentially colonies again. We're colonies to the U.S. federal government instead of the British. We're just subjects now. If the entire role of the state is to just submit to whatever the federal government decrees, then what's the point of even having a state government at all? What would be the point of that? There wouldn't be one. 
there wouldn't be one. We wouldn't need states at all. We, we just have one big federal government. I mean, this is all just a bunch of nonsense. And nobody, nobody embodies everything that is wrong with the Supreme Court and their role in our lives, in my opinion, more so than Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. I mean, yeah, okay, she was like the, the second female justice ever or whatever, and she's inspired women everywhere to become lawyers or judges, and I know people that have been inspired by her. That's great, except for the fact that she's inspiring them to continue the to destroy the foundation of America, everything that we were founded on, this whole idea of limited government and checks and balances. And I, I mean, you guys know that I don't really think that that was a, a great idea. It's a very flawed system. As I mentioned, I'm an anarchist. But to worship her for that, for perverting the meaning of the Constitution, the, the role of the Supreme Court, the role of the federal government, this is not the, the type of person we should be worshiping. I mean, the reason Democrats are so worried about Republicans getting to a point, yet another justice, is because literally everything they want to do is unconstitutional. <laughs> everything. Every, their whole agenda it's all unconstitutional. It flies in the face of the Constitution that they swear an oath to uphold and defend and blah, 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 blah. And the only way they can get their agenda passed is by the Supreme Court giving them the nod. So, yeah, they're, they're against having Republicans in there that might not go along with their left-wing agenda. And again, you know, that's not the way this whole thing was supposed to work, but this is how it is. You know, we have to deal with the reality of the situation. It just goes to show you how unworkable this whole system of government is. No matter how, how many you know, things you put in place, no matter how explicit you are in your words and how carefully you crafted this whole government apparatus to check each other and then we'll leave it up to the states you know, as a last resort, to, none of it works. None of it works. I mean, look how partisan the court has become. These judges don't enforce the Constitution. They apply their ideology where they see fit. If they enforce the Constitution, 95% of our government would evaporate overnight. It just wouldn't exist. But now that they have usurped all of this power and the other branches of the federal government and states and the people have gladly relinquished everything to them, we're more than happy, apparently, to let the, you know, the fate of the nation rest on the shoulders of nine high priests of the religion of the state. Well... Now we wait, right? Now we sit here and we wait with bated breath to see who the next person to misinterpret the Constitution will be. And this is the position we're in. And it's not just these really liberal lefty judges that are screwing things up. These, these guys work in tandem. The right-wing judges authorize the whole military-industrial complex, the spying, the violation of our personal privacy, financial privacy, Things like that, you know, all of the, the whole right-wing stuff that, that they cheer on. And then you have the, the lefty judges coming in and authorizing the federal government to intrude into basically every other aspect of our lives. So healthcare, the economy, workplace, social issues, social circles, where you, you know, who you can enter into contracts with, like marriage and freedom of association, things like that. It's a double team. It's a Supreme Court pig roast, if you will. We're getting it from both ends. And if we hadn't let the Supreme Court become this bastardized version of itself and dictate the law of the land and these justices did their job correctly, this wouldn't even be that big of a deal if one of them drops dead, okay? And then you get the other side gets to nominate somebody, okay? Because they shouldn't have so much power and they wouldn't have so much power. It's only because they have so much power that this becomes a problem, that people freak out. And because they have so much power, now every election, even if the candidates are dog shit, like the last two elections in particular, they can still scare everyone into voting for one of the two major parties. Like, can't throw your vote away on a third party. Supreme Court's at risk. Oh, okay, the, you know, the other side might get to nominate someone to the Supreme Court. So you better get out there. I know Joe Biden's a senile old man. He has no idea what day of the week it is and can't form a complete sentence. But if you don't vote for him, Donald Trump's going to get to nominate somebody to the Supreme Court, and then they're going to get to radically change your life, right? <laughs> so now, life as we know it hangs in the balance. 
Democrats everywhere are losing their collective minds like never before. People are crying. They're breaking down because RBG is dead. And now the Republicans are coming after uh, abortion and health care. And oh, oh uh, was it? Yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had top three, her top three reasons for the GOP wanting to take the seat. They're going to gut your health care. They're going to take away your birth control and control of your body. And they're going to further dismantle our civil rights. <laughs> this is, these are just a few of the, you know, the, the scare tactics they're going to employ on you. Listen, I mean, first of all, like I said, the government has no business being involved in healthcare in the first place, and it's unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court should have said as much. But, of course, they didn't, and this is almost certainly, you know, the crux of all this mayhem. What's really getting people on both sides riled up is the abortion issue. That's, you know, that's first and foremost at the front of everyone's mind. They're, they tell us that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and they're going to outlaw abortions, and you'll be having back-alley abortions with coat hangers and all this nonsense. Look, it's not going to happen, okay? You, you can relax. Take a deep breath. All this fear-mongering, it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. This is a very effective scare tactic, for sure, and it works on both sides, especially for something as closely divided or something that the nation is as closely divided on, like with abortion. But there is just, I don't see any chance of them overturning something like Roe v. Wade. They, they won't even hear a case on it. I guarantee it. As far as they are concerned, it's settled law, and they want to be on to the next government intrusion into our lives. And they want to you know, figure out how much more of the, the Constitution that they can rip to shreds. And even if they did, let's say they did overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay, now it's just up to the states to decide the matter. And, I mean, at least that's how it's supposed to work. They can't outlaw it outright for the whole country. And if they tried to do that, you'd probably see a bunch of Democrat states nullifying their decision, as they should, which would be a breath of fresh air, as far as I'm concerned. And maybe that could lead to, like, a whole downward spiral of states nullifying these Supreme Court decisions. You know, if the once you get the Democrats on board with, disobeying the high priests, right, then then the Republican states would have uh, cause to, to do the same for their issues. And maybe we could start uh, dismantling this thing a little bit. But anyway, I mean, seriously, guys, calm down. Calm down. Don't let yourself be influenced and controlled by these Supreme Court judges. And if you're freaking out about what would happen to your life if the court swings red or the court swings blue, well, then maybe you should reexamine your support for an all-powerful federal government. You ever think about that? It's just so sad how pathetically brainwashed people are. Instead of reexamining this whole thing, they just throw temper tantrums and break down. I mean, imagine a world where the federal government has practically no involvement in your daily life, has no power over you. If a democratic socialist gets elected, it doesn't matter because they have no power, no control, no influence. And if Donald Trump gets reelected, it doesn't affect your life at all. That's how it should be. That was the vision of the, the founding of America. But you see, we've allowed them to take so much control now that when the other side gets the reins, gets control over this gigantic leviathan government that, that can literally do anything that it wants, well, the other side freaks out. You got to freak out now. And the Democrats fearmonger you into voting and supporting their awful candidates because those evil Republicans are going to take your health care. They're going to gut your health care. And the Republicans tell you that the Democrats are coming for your guns. And we all get further entrenched into this bullshit system. We're so busy fighting one another and supporting our team that we never look up and realize that they're all in on this together and they don't give a rip about us. Couldn't care any less. As long as their system that they've taken over remains in place and they get to just basically volley off of one another and the power flips back and forth every four to eight years or whatever, they're fine with that. They're fine with that. That's what they want. They want us fighting with each other. They want us further entrenched into this two-party system because that's what's going to perpetuate the status quo. But I don't know. Anyway... Here we are, 
Here we are. Trump is going to nominate someone either Friday or Saturday, I'm, I'm being told, depending on when the funeral for Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. He's going to wait until after that out of respect for her. And then it's going to be up to the Senate to confirm and appoint the uh, the nominee. So now Republicans, have they have control of the Senate, and they really only need 50 votes plus Pence to get this done. And if they were able to ram through Kavanaugh, I think they could just do the same thing here and get this next nominee in. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that, barring some interesting tricks that the Democrats might have up their sleeve. You know, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of tricks the Democrats are going to come up with to try to delay this thing. I've seen threats of impeachment to tie up the Senate, a government shutdown. There, um, There's all sorts of shenanigans that they can come up with to try to push off the, the Senate hearing on this and delay it as long as possible. I mean, with Kavanaugh, I believe they were trying to delay it until after the midterm elections, thinking that they were going to take back the Senate. And that what's really funny is all of the hypocrisy that's on just full display. It's absolutely perfect. It is golden. And anybody that has two brain cells running around in their head should be able to, to realize what is going on here. Because back when Obama was president, the Democrats wanted to ram through their nominee as soon as possible, and the Republicans were able to stall them and filibuster until after the election. Now that the shoe is on the other foot, Republicans are quite literally taking the exact same position they fought the Democrats on, which is, well, we already had this election, Trump won, the people have spoken, he doesn't stop becoming president just because it's his last year in office, and he's constitutionally entitled to nominate someone and all that stuff. And the Democrats have, of course, taken the exact same arguments Republicans made to delay Obama's nominee. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Oh, these people need to have a say, the people need to have a say, and we need to wait until after the election, blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know, it's just, it's also pretty funny to see some of uh, Chuck Schumer's and the, the Democrats' like bullshit tactics come back to haunt them. If I remember correctly, they uh, it was Chuck Schumer's nuclear option that made it so they don't need a supermajority to confirm anybody, they just need a simple majority. <laughs> So, uh, oops, I guess that's going to come back to bite him in the ass. I mean, how people still believe in these hypocritical, slimy politicians that have no principles whatsoever never ceases to amaze me. It, it just, it, it's unbelievable. But this could be a very dangerous game the Democrats are playing here because if Biden goes through with these debates, which it looks like he's going to, at least one in a week or so, is it the, the 29th or something like that? I think Trump is going to pull this out. I think Trump might win this election. Now, I don't think there is a political advantage to have the Senate confirm Trump's nominee before the election. I think it's better that, that Trump nominates someone and then the Democrats can try all their bullshit to delay it. And then Trump gets to sit there and say, you know, you guys better get out and vote for me because if you want to get so-and-so in to, you know, the Supreme Court, you got to vote for me. I got to win the election. Otherwise, you know, the Democrats are going to get to nominate someone and you're going to lose the, the Supreme Court for the next generation. And he's going to nominate a woman, it, it looks like. There's two women that he's looking at. I forget their names. You guys can... Go ahead and look that up on your own. I know one is a Christian conservative and the other one's a Latina. So he's he's taking a lot of the left's standard attacks off the table with with those two nominations uh, with those two uh, potential nominations. There, um, they'll certainly go after the one chick for being a religious zealot for sure and make that all about abortion and things like that. But if Trump wins the election. Republicans will have the rest of the year to get their nominee in before these election results, which are 100% going to be disputed regardless of who wins, right? Before the, the disputed election results make it to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's going to take a while, right? So they're going to have a couple months there to, to try to get the, the nominee in. But even more crazy is 
Trump can then, let's say he wins and he gets his nominee in, he can then, you know, since he'll have four more years in office, he can take all these Democrats up on all their bullshit talk about stacking the courts and we need more judges on the Supreme Court and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We do need a bunch more justices. And now that I have four more years, how's about I nominate four more judges to the Supreme Court? And then just watch the left fucking melt down. My God, this is going to be entertaining. Buckle up, everybody. The next couple of months are going to be incredible. Hell, the rest of the year is going to be just unbelievable. Unbelievable political theater, if you ask me. And I'm sure I'll have plenty of podcast material. And if you don't like it, well, we get the government we deserve. And our complacency as a nation... Our inability to grasp basic fundamental concepts, to think for ourselves, to question authority, to understand the the meaning of America and what it was founded on, our willingness to sacrifice our freedoms and liberty and turn over more power to the federal government. Those are the reasons that you are crying right now over the death of some 87-year-old woman that you never even met. Or they're the reasons that you're dancing a little jig right now in just pure jubilation. That's why. So, I don't know, something to think about, everybody. Maybe uh, maybe re-examine this whole thing, this whole system that you're so adamantly supporting. But anyway, I'm going to wrap there, guys. Thank you so very much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode... Do me a favor, give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Share the show. I know you know somebody who needs to hear this. There's, and if you, the chances are if you're getting value out of it, you know somebody else who can get value out of it too. So share the show with somebody. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And don't forget to join the private Facebook group if you want to become a supporting listener of the show. You can do that by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.